Parshat Bo is just a real embarrassment of riches. There's so much to talk about here. Makat Bechorot and Tefillin and Korban Pesach and tons of great stuff. I want to focus on one passage, which is a well-known passage. Um, and I'd like to explore uh, perhaps a new understanding of that passage. Um, I'll cut right to the chase. Uh, in passage one, you see the famous interaction between the son and the father, which is commonly uh, appreciated to be a, uh, an antagonistic one. And we'll see where that all that comes from. Uh, in past years, we've dealt with the Homi Drash Arba Banim and identified why we think that this kid is a Rasha. Uh, but we're going to take a different angle this time. Uh, so to give a little context, uh, chapter 12, Parakid Bet, which is the centerpiece of Parshat Bo, uh, is the first introduction of a legal code, and that is the laws of the Korban Pesach, which are prefaced by necessity by the law of sanctifying the new moon and declaring Nisan to be the month of the spring, so it was a, to be the first month. Then all the laws of the Korban Pesach, including the perennial celebration of it and including the removal of chametz, etc., and then Moshe, in Pasuk Chafalov, Moshe summons the elders, and he tells them what to do to check the Quran Pesach, to put the dam, etc. Hashem is going to pass over the houses and going to see the dam and not allow the destroyer to come into the house to kill. And then, to fill in the gap, when you, cu- when, uh, you should keep this law for in perpetuity for your kids, and um, when you... Uh, when you... Um, when you come to the land, you will continue doing this avodah. So your children will say to you, what is this, what does this worship mean to you? Is the way it's commonly translated. Because we want to get the bite in it, which is interpreted, and we're going to see it in a minute, as being a sarcastic or rhetorical question uh, where the kid wants nothing to do with this. And he says, what does it mean to you? To me, it means nothing. And what the answer is, it is a offering of Pesach to Hashem, a Paschal offering to Hashem. Why? Because he passed over or protected, depending how you interpret Pesach, where actually brings both, um, or passed over or had compassion on, the houses of B'nai Israel in Egypt when he destroyed the Egyptians and he saved us. Okay, good. So, um, um, the passage in Yerushalmi, which you all know very well, because it's, it is another version, and maybe an earlier version of the passage that we're familiar with in the Haggadah Pesach, posits that, uh, that there are really four different, points out that there are four different times in the Torah that we're told to teach our kids about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and therefore to resolve the apparent superfluousness of it, it identifies this as four different kinds of kids, Chacham, Rasha, Tipesh, and Chenor de Elishol. And here they're identified. The Tipesh is PC'd into a Tam in the Haggadah, but here he's called the Tipesh. One interesting note that's not part of the Shi'ur, but just is really just too much fun to ignore, is the fact that if you open up Sefer Devarim and the question that we identify as being the question of the Chacham, it reads, Maha Idot Vachukim Vamishpatim Siva Adonai Eloheinu Etchem. What are the, the cans that the Hashem, our God, commanded you? Which makes sense because this kid wasn't at Har Sinai. 
So he's going to ask, what did Hashem command you? Uh, or even if I was in our Sinai, he's asking me because he wants me to pass the tradition on to him. However, in the context of the four sons, that word etchem has a lot of bite to it. Because, of course, we get very angry at the Rasha for saying lachem. And so one of the many, many things that has lots of Torah on it, almost everything at the Seder has lots of Torah on it, is why are we getting mad at the Rasha for lachem and we're praising the Chacham who said etchem? And there are those who want to identify etchem as having a different meaning than lachem, etc. I heard once, uh, tongue-in-cheek, uh, a, a great answer uh, that said that, um, you know, the... Uh, the Rasha, of course, is a maskil. The Rasha is somebody who's who's an expert in Hebrew language because he's a, he's a linguist and uh, he knows what lachem means. When he says lachem, he means you and not me. And he's excluding himself. And the chacham is in kolah. What does he know? He doesn't know ivri aschem or isanu. What does he know? That's a, of course not to be taken at all seriously. Um, but uh, in in the text of the Rishalmi, notice what happens. The chacham's answer is changed to. Which is not the text of the Torah. And parenthetically, the Mechilta has the same thing. By the way, this may surprise you. If you open up the Septuagint and you see this verse, the verse reads, which means, what did God command us? Hashem, our God, command us, not etchem. Which means either as early as the Septuagint, there was a sensitivity to the bite of etchem, and they modified it to Otanu, or else some other possibility. In any case, it's just a lot of fun to look at on its own. However, how do we identify this kid in the Midrash Halacha as a Ben Rasha? And what's the word that we really don't like? So in the Yushalmi, it's the word Avodah, along with the word Lachem. We pick on both words. And Lachem we see as being, that he has taken himself out of the group. He said, means something to you, doesn't mean anything to me. You make us work so hard every year because they're also picking up on the word Avodah. And then, He has taken himself out of the group. So therefore, you tell him. There's no putting his teeth on edge in the Yerushalmi. That's what Hashem did for me. He did it for me, not for you, or not for him, really. We talk about him in the third person. And there's much, much to say about this, including the mention of Torah Ish, but not for now. But that's how we perceive this kid uh, in in the in the in, in the midrash. And by the way, Rashi quotes it not as we say in French, afenort, not on the spot, but rather a little later in Parakid Gimel, Rashi identifies this kid as being the Rasha. However, most of the Rishonim don't identify him that way. Because he's only seen, as we've seen in earlier Shurim, he's only seen as a Rasha against the backdrop of the other interactions. When the other interactions are, ki he asks you, here it's Yomru, he says it. But taken in situ, in this context alone, in its context, it's actually a perfectly legitimate question. And take a look and see how the Rishonim deal with it. Mahari Karat. Marie Kara is somebody who, not that well-known, although thank God he's becoming more famous, more well-known. Rabbi Yosef from Shimon Kara was his title because he was the Tanakh teacher in Rashi's Beit Midrash. And Rashi quotes him from time to time. Says on the phrase, Mahavodah Zot, in his commentary on Chumash, 
He says, Tsitsiva Hamakom lo chlot sli. In other words, the kid is saying, what is this worship? It's weird because we have to roast the meat, which is not what Hashem commanded in regards to other shlamim, meaning a korban toda, a regular shlamim. You can cook it, you can roast it, you can boil it, whatever you want. This must be roasted. The Rashbam takes that position more generically. In other words, this holiday is different in all sorts of ways. We get rid of chametz and we recline, you know, whatever it is, it's different. Uh, this, by the way, strikes to the core, to the heart of the Seder. Because the heart of the Seder is to do things weird and get the kids interested. All right. The Menezra, uh, in his commentary, says that the kid sees that the whole family is eating as one chavura, one halachic chavura, and they're eating a lamb that is without blemish, and they see that the lamb is brought out with the spit, and the whole thing's there, the head's there, and there's a prohibition of breaking the bone, and certain people can't eat from it. Which, by the way, echoes what the other Rishonim that we saw said, which is the kid sees this being different. And as a result of being different, he asked the question, And there's nobody's picking up on the word lachem here, meaning well, the word lachem doesn't bother anybody because it makes a lot of sense. You guys are doing it. Please explain why you're doing it this way. And he's curious. The Sforno says the same thing, but he takes a slightly different position. He says, What the kids used to is, I go with the family to Shalayim, however often we go, if we can go three times a year, maybe not. And we have Shlamim, we have Shalmei Chagiga, Shalmei Simcha, we have a big party on a holiday. This one's taking place not on a holiday, it's taking place the day before a holiday. We're offering this up on Yudal and that's so, so again, all of the Rishonim here are picking up on the idea that this Korban is weird, it's different, and therefore the kid is asking an absolutely curious, honest, interrogative question, and, and there's nothing sarcastic, and there's nothing biting, and there's nothing confrontational about it. Now, you would think that over time, as the attitude of the Haggadah became more and more prominent in the way that we read this Psukim, that we would see later Mefarshim looking at this pasuk with a more jaundiced eye. And you do see that among some, some more recent Mefarshim. However, the Nitziv, 19th century, says the following, That the kids are also surprised, but by something on a more subtle level, which is every other korban is coming because we did something. Either a holiday's arrived or we sinned and we have to bring a korban. This seems to be coming without any current context. If you think about it, korban Pesach is the only korban we bring, which is a historic korban, meaning it's commemorating a past event as opposed to celebrating a current holiday or whatever. And even other korbanot that are not there to appease God, like the Bechor that you give to the Kohen, but we know the reason for that. Pesach lama huba. The kid is simply asking, why are we bringing Korban Pesach? Right? And then, um, and then he says, if, if you think 
we're bringing it because we want to thank God for Yitziat Mitzrayim. It should have been brought once in history, way back then when it happened. The Hatziv cuts to the core. He says, we don't find that there's any mitzvah to commemorate a miracle. Rather, we celebrate the miracle when it happens. And then he says, except for Chanukah Purim, Kabul Chachamim Bismanam, right? So in other words, even as late as the Nitziv, the way that he's looking at this kid's question in context, not in the context of against the larger backdrop of the other questions, but in its own context is, it's a legitimate question, it's an honest question, and it's a curious question. He's not looking to score points, he's looking to get answers. Okay? In spite of the influence of the Haggadah. Very good. I'd like to propose that there may be something else going on here. And in order to see it, we have to see the entire parasha, meaning from the beginning of this parasha, meaning the beginning of, of the parasha beforehand, which is parasha Tachodesh, all the way through our parasha, right, which is this. It's 28 psukim. We're not going to read through all of them. But I want to point out that there's something curious going on. How does this parasha start? And this is the first mitzvah given to B'nai Yisrael. Now we're so accustomed to this pasuk, and we're so wrapped up in the seeming repetition or superfluousness of because you already said this is the first month, that we miss the fact that the word lachem, which appears twice, as you can see it highlighted, is absolutely extra. HaKadosh Baruch could have said, This is the first month. Take the word lachem out, you lose nothing. It's a very odd addition. And now to quickly summarize what happens next. Hashem says, go peek to Bnei Israel and tell them on the 10th of this month, everybody should take a lamb into the house. And if the household is not big enough, then you join with another household. Make sure that it is a set tamim zachar ben shana, lachem. Again, the word lachem, by the way, you could look at every one of them, of these lachems, and take it out, and you wouldn't miss anything. And there's 11 of them here. There's a lot. Zachar ben shana, lachem. You should have a yearling. And then, you hold on to it until the 14th. Then you shecht it, you take the don, you put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. You eat the meat that night, roasted. Don't eat it in any other way, just roasted, the whole meat together. Don't leave anything over. If anything's left over, here's how you eat it. Uh, eat it ready to go. Good. And I'm going to pass through Mitzrayim, and I'm going to kill the Bechorot that night. And now, the, the dam will be for you, a sign on your houses. Again, the word lachem is not needed. And then, this day will be a day of commemoration. Again, the word lachem is not needed. On the seventh day of this holiday in, in later years, a holy day for you. Don't do any work except that which is eaten by people. Now, of course, the Midrash Halacha picks up on each one of these lachems and utilizes it for something. So, for instance, the last one. Proves to you or supports the Halacha that you can cook and do food preparation on Yom Tov for other Jews only. Okay, fine. But within the context of the Psukim, the word lachem is extra. And now keep the keep the matzot, guard the matzot, don't eat chametz, etc. And now watch Moshe calls Bnei Israel. 
calls the elders. And he says to them, lachem. So Moshe is repeating it, lachem. Take for yourselves. What does that mean? Take, right, lachem, the, the lamb, and take the hyssop, and then put the, the blood in the basin, and put the, the hyssop and the blood that's in the basin, and put it on the doorpost, and Hashem is going to pass through, and he's going to see the dove, and he'll pass over the houses, etc. Okay? And now we're going to slow down a little bit as we get to the, to the point here. Keep this law forever. Now, by the way, which law? The law of putting blood on the doorposts? The law of keeping the lamb in your house? Which law? So the Rishonim all pick up on that and say, of course, it doesn't mean that. It means the law of the Pesach in general. But not to be done this way, which is unique. Only one year in history was it done this way in the houses, etc. Now that lachem I get. When you come to the land that Hashem gives to you, as He said, okay. Now we are all bothered by the word lachem in the Haggadah, meaning the Midrash Halacha makes much of the word lachem, lachem v'lo He's excluding himself, therefore he would be excluded, and everything else. The Mefarshei Hapshat ignore Lachem, and they pick up on just the broad question of why is this such a weird korban? But the Midrash Halacha picks up on Lachem. I'd like to marry the two by sensitive, by being sensitive to the word Lachem, but from a very different perspective, not as a needle, not as an attack, but rather as something else. By the way, what's the answer that we give the kid when he asks, or he says, it is an offering of Pesach to Hashem, who passed over or had compassion on our houses, etc. Okay? So let's see what's going on here. Look at this passage from the Mechilta. In the very beginning of the Mechilta, the Mechilta is picking up on the word Lachem and finding new meaning in it. This is the first month for you. What does the Mechilta pick up? Adam didn't have a calendar like that. Maybe it just means it's your calendar and not the non-Jewish calendar. When it says later in the Pasuk, it's first for you, that means it's the Jewish calendar, not the Goyish calendar. Why does it say Lachem? Meaning, not only is it the uniquely Jewish calendar, but it's a calendar I'm giving to you. It was not given to Adam Harishon or to Avraham or to anybody before you. This is a famous response to the Romans. We count by the lunar calendar, they count a solar calendar. And what's the impact of that? Once every 30 days, we look up in the we look up to God. Because we have to look up in the sky. We have to see if we have a new moon. Beautiful. A later passage in the in the a parallel passage, sorry, in the Mechilta de Rashbi. Now, just one quick note. The Mechilta is the collection of Midrashei Tanaim on Sefer Shmot. And the Mechilta that we've always had is commonly called the Mechilta de Rabbi Ishmael. It's the Mechilta that's based on the teachings in the school of Rabbi Ishmael. 
which has one approach to Midrash Halakha. The other school that has the other approach to Midrash Halakha, and there are only two, is the school of Rabbi Akiva. And till a while ago, we did not have in our hands a mechilta of the school of Rabbi Akiva. And then about 100 plus years ago, fragments started getting discovered, and finally somebody published the mechilta of Rashbi. Why is it called the mechilta of Rabbi Shimba Yochai, who was Rabbi Akiva's prize student? Because Rishonim quoted it. The Ramban quotes it, Matzati Midrash Rabbi Shimon. We didn't have it, it got lost, and now it's been reconstructed, Mechilta de Rashbi. In the Mechilta de Rashbi, remember in the Mechilta of Rabbi Shmuel, it says, Adam Rishon didn't count. Watch what it says here. Lo manu bo avot Rishonim. Avim Yitzhak and Yaakov didn't use it. Maybe they didn't use it because they didn't get the Torah yet. Maybe once the Torah is given, everybody in the world will use this calendar. Which means nobody else counts. Now, by the way, the two Mechiltas are saying the same thing in different ways. They're emphasizing the two mentions of Lachem here in this opening Pasuk in the big pasuk, as singling out Am Yisrael and saying, this is your month only. Not only in for the rest of history will you be the only ones to count with this calendar, unless people come along and copy it, but also nobody before you counted it. And once I've given it to you, says the Mechil Tadarashbi, it now doesn't expand and become a universal calendar. It's still only yours. So the word lachem is perceived from the beginning of this parsha as being a statement of exclusivity, not as antagonistic exclusivity, you and not me, but rather friendly exclusivity, which is you and you only. It's a special gift for you. Okay, beautiful. Now, let's roll ahead and see if we can figure out what the kid's asking. And I want to keep this kid sympathetic. Because within the context of this parasha, this kid is sympathetic. As all the Rishonim noted, it's only within the larger picture of all the questions that this kid becomes a Rasha. If you look through every mention of Lachem, it's all about a gift to you. You're going to take this lamb, it's going to be your lamb. You're going to hold on to it in your dear houses. This will be a sign for you. This will be a day for you. You will cook for yourselves. You will have a holiday for yourselves. You're celebrating yourselves. Meaning, you're not, you're celebrating, you yourselves are celebrating. I'm giving you a gift. It's Lachem. And Moshe immediately impresses that on the people because the first thing Moshe says to the people after he got this command is, This is a party. This is a freilach for you that he says you're going to have. It's Lachem. And then there's the Avodat Adam. And it's such a, such a lot, this Lachem is such a gift to you that it's compared here to the gift of Eretz Yisrael. When Hashem brings you to the land that he's giving Lachem. So Lachem is all about the great gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving God, is giving the people. And like the Midrash HaLacha said, singling them out. Unique special gifts for you. Nobody else has this holiday. Nobody else has this korban. Nobody else has this land. This is yours and only yours. And it's a mark of my love for you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. Beautiful.
comes along the kid. And what does the kid know? The kid knows a story. He knows a story that way back in our history, there was a very famous korban that was brought by great, 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 great grandfather Avram on Haramoriah. And what kind of korban was it? It was the kind of korban we would expect, which is you want to give a gift to God, what do you do? You put it on the Mizbech and you burn it all up. That's some korban. A korban is you give a gift to God and you burn it up to God. That's what the kid knows. The kid turns around and what does he say? Lachem? I'm parsing the pasuk differently and somewhat creatively, but I think that might be what's going on. Lachem? What kind of worship is this? This is a worship for you? Mapitom that we're worshiping God by eating lamb. And what's the answer? Zevach Pesachul Adonai. I've reparsed that phrase at the bottom. Which is a culmination of Lachem, 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 Lachem. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us this holiday. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us this calendar. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us this land. Kodesh Baruch Hu gave all of this to us. He gave us a Yontif and all of this. It's ours. It's a gift to us. And the kid turns around to his parents and says, Vos Fresman. We're, 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 this is a korban to God and we're sitting and eating? Lachem? And what's the answer? Zevach Pesach It's not Lachem, it's Lashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives to us and our celebration is a gift to God because that's what God wants us to do. And what are we celebrating? We're celebrating not our good fortune right now, not our great blessings right now. We're celebrating a historic event that we survived Makat Becharot and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had compassion over us and brought us out of Mitzrayim. So when the kid asks Lachem, the answer is Lashem. But not Lashem, not Lachem, not meaning I'm contradicting you, you're wrong. The answer is that the Lachem is Lashem. That when we celebrate what God gave us as gifts and recognize that they're God's gifts to us, that is our Korban Lashem. Zevach Pesachu Lashem. I'll finish with a vort which actually ties this all together. And you won't hear me quote him too much only because I don't know that much of his Torah. Rav Levi Yitzhak pointed out something beautiful. He said the Torah refers to this holiday as Chag HaMatzot. But we call it Chag HaPesach. Why is that? Because like people who are truly in love, all they can do is talk about the other person's qualities. HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls it Pachag HaMatzot because we had faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu and we prepared Matzot because we know we're going to hit the road. The Matzot are what the Zohar calls Mechla de Menuta, the food of faith. In the meantime, we call it Pesach because we celebrate this holiday because of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu glorifies in our great no, no nobility, and we call the holiday by the great chesed that Baruch Hu did for us, and we call it Chag HaPesach.